Hi and welcome to the Final Whistles Premier League Weekly presented by Live Now. Cristiano Ronaldo gets all the love this week as a hat-trick from the Portuguese Peacock sees United get all three points against Spurs. So, is he really the problem? Elsewhere, it's getting bad to worse for Frank Lampard while Watford and Leeds gain crucial wins in the relegation battle. We also look at City's latest slip-up and what that means for the title race. This is the Final Whistles Premier League Weekly presented by Life Now. Hi, I'm Deepan. What's up, everyone? I'm Raushan. Deepan, what a time to be alive. Feels like we're in 2008 again. I don't have grey hair. My beard doesn't have grey hair. Ronaldo, hat-trick. Good, good, good weekend of football, eh? Yeah, I mean, to me, I expected nothing from the game from United against Spurs. And to come out of it, seeing the goals that Cristiano Ronaldo scored and getting three points uh, was amazing. And I'm sure we'll talk more about that later on when we review the results from Game 29. But first and foremost, I've got the trivia question ready. Uh, you are beaming from having a great weekend. Uh, let's see if that run continues. Uh, you look keen to wipe that smile off my face, no, no, so no. we shall I'm, see. I'm actually uh, keen to continue the run for you because it's a very, very easy question. Uh, heaping uh, the pressure already. Go on. How many hat-tricks has Cristiano Ronaldo 59. scored in his career? Yes, correct. 59. Boom! But that's that's been everywhere on social media, right? The tricky part of this question is to list down how many he has scored for United, Real Madrid, Juventus and Portugal? I think for United, it's two. Yes, correct. The uh, last one coming in a 6-0 win against Newcastle. Newcastle. To uh, what? The Real Madrid one must be in its 30s. Mm, higher, actually. Wow. So, he has 59 total. Two, that's 57 left. Uh, for Portugal, I'd say eight. Just to be higher? Nine. <laughs> Just a bit <laughs> 10 Yes, correct Portugal okay. is 10 So that's 47 So Juventus He must have scored A hat-trick or two uh, I would say 43 for Real Madrid Wow, very, very close 44, 42 44 He has got 44 hat-tricks For Real Madrid 3 for Juventus 10 for Portugal And 2 for Manchester United uh, wow, outstanding. And, uh, and he's 37 years old. Yeah, what, outstanding what, uh, records. Yeah, the longevity. I mean, the fact that... Sorry, just a quick comment on Ronaldo. The fact that he notched, what, now 807 goals. I don't know if you saw Don Hutchinson's uh, tweet. He said, I was a professional player for 17 years and I didn't even have that many appearances. So, unreal the amount of goals he scored. Yeah, and, and to me, I, I think what is marvellous is the fact that uh, it led United to a victory. I think that's the for, for the most important thing. Uh, like I said, we will talk about that game a bit later on, but we'll start off by reviewing Game Week 29 uh, with the Live Now Game of the Week, which was Arsenal 2, Leicester City 0. Uh, first and foremost, I, I mean, I expected Arsenal to, to have convincing victory here, so I'm not too surprised about the result. Uh, if you look at it on paper alone, and paper alone, it will be the fact that Arsenal's two goals came from set pieces, uh, a Thomas Partey header from a corner kick, and as well as a Lacazette penalty. Uh, where there was enroachment, uh, you know, I, I talked about it, but let's not let's not get into that because I, I think Arsenal deserved the, the victory uh, and that's fine. It's just that, you know, Arsenal fans like to moan when it's decisions against them, but they don't even identify these things when it happens for them. Uh, but yeah, I mean, going to Arsenal right now, I, the one person or player that I would like to pick out uh, from this game was Martin Odegaard. 
I thought he was absolutely phenomenal. Um, I, I mean, yeah, at the end of the day, in terms of the chances created for Arsenal, uh, none of them resulted in a in a goal from an open play. But I thought Odegaard pulled the strings here tremendously. I mean, in terms of not just as a as a number eight or number ten in a, in an Arsenal midfield, but is the is the sexiness in in which he played. You know, uh, the one touch passing with him and Saka, how he glided across the pitch, and this is that Martin Odegaard that we all identified um, from Sociedad really early on. Uh, he's getting back to his best. Uh, I wasn't so convinced when Arsenal got him back on a permanent transfer for thirty million because I thought you know Martin Odegaard didn't really seem to adapt to Premier League football that that well uh, in his season on loan. So so I was quite fearful of how he would go. But wow, what 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 a season he's having. I mean, in the last few games he's been tremendous, and I think if Arsenal to solidify fourth spot, which some might say they have already done, uh, he's going to be a key key player. You know, anything that is going to stop Arsenal from top four, Roshan. It looks like it's in their own hands now and they're coming into form at a good time in the season. We talk about ebbs and flows throughout the season. Some teams peak too soon, some teams don't peak at all and some teams peak at the right time. For Arsenal, it's all falling into place at the right time. I think the board has done well to back Ateta and he's repaying them in a big way. The dividends are clear for all to see. They backed him going up against Ozil, they backed him going up against Aubameyang and now they are reaping the rewards of backing their manager in a big way. I got to give credit where credit is due. Uh, listeners of the pod will know I've had my issues with Arsenal, shall I say, issues, over the course huh? of the season. I think issues is a good way to put it. <laughs> but um, fair play to them. They've uh, they've taken up the challenge. Uh, not having European football was always going to be a factor in the run-in. It's still going to be a major boost for them going into the business end of the season as they look to close in on top four. And to your point, uh, Odegaard, when he arrived uh, as a as a full transfer as opposed to a loan player, I had my suspicions as well whether he will raise the game. And he's taken a while to come to the boil, but but boy, does he look a good player now. And confidence is seeping through the Arsenal team back to front. I mean, you would agree you went for Arsenal triple up this week and and you were you were rewarded in a big way because essentially they are getting the job done up front without necessarily what I like about the Leicester City win is it wasn't just reliant on your Sakas or your Martinelli's or your Smith Rose. Yes, Odegaard was instrumental, but they got goals off set pieces. They got the job done and showing a different side to them. And I think they're looking solid at the back as well. So they're in a good way. I, I do think the match against Liverpool might be a step too far purely because Liverpool have bigger fish to fry and they might be uh, wanting it a lot more. But Arsenal is theirs to lose at the moment that spot in the top four. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we'll see how the weeks panel, but you, but you mentioned a good point. Them not being in Europe, I think is a big, big uh, advantage to them. Of course, uh, at this time of recording, Manchester United have yet to play their Champions League fixture against Atletico Madrid. Uh, but I hope you know that goes out well for, for the Red Devils. Uh, next game that we'll look at is, of course, Manchester United 3, Tottenham 2. So, Raushan, is Cristiano Ronaldo the problem? Uh, I... I, I think it'd be harsh to say he's the problem after he scores a hat-trick like that. But I have my reservations. I'm not saying he's the problem, but he's not necessarily the solution either. Purely because Ronaldo's hat-trick is sublime. The fanboy in me is jumping for joy, don't get me wrong. But overall, as a team, we haven't produced that performance in a long while. Ronaldo hasn't produced that sort of a performance, which is what... Rangnick wants of his front man, right? Ever under Rangnick's tenure, to my to my recollection at least. So 
The only way to answer that question is to wait and see if this is the United that we get for the remainder of the season. You mentioned it there. There are crucial games coming up uh, in the Champions League, hopefully for a lot longer than the one against Atletico, as well as to at least push Arsenal close for that space in the top four, right? So I do think, to answer your question, I'm, I'm not convinced that Ronaldo is the problem, but I'm not convinced that he's the solution either. He certainly has a part to play in that team. And he proved it, scoring the hat-trick. He looked inspired. I mean, the first goal uh, showed... Ronaldo of old almost rising for the header showed that he still has the aerial prowess when uh, the set piece is done well. But I do think Ronaldo has to prove that he can play like this week in, week out to convince the naysayers that he's not the problem because a one-off performance like this still begs the question of papering over the cracks of which there are plenty at United at the moment. Yeah, I completely agree with you because I've raised this uh, issue about how Ronaldo uh, Ronaldo himself is not a problem, but when you put this version of Ronaldo into the current Manchester United team, that is a problem. Uh, because like you said, I think it covers over the cracks uh, just because he scored a head trigger. Because if you look at this game in isolation even, yes, I think Ronaldo had a brilliant game. I mean, take away the goals, I thought Ronaldo himself uh, really, really you know, helped the cause in terms of defending, tracking back, linking up play. But overall, I still thought you know, United weren't fantastic. I thought there were issues as well. Uh, I thought defensively, we weren't too bad. I thought Maguire and Varane had a decent enough game compared to how they have been in, in previous weeks. Uh, but there are still plenty to work on. But when you look at Ronaldo's uh, stats across the last 10 games, he scored uh, one goal in the, in the game against Brighton, the 2-0 victory. He scored a hat-trick here. But in eight other games, he had no returns. So, you know, to, to the people who are saying, oh, you know, Ronaldo... Uh, it can't be a problem, you know, he's just got a hat-trick. I, I think, to me, that's being very, very narrow-minded. Because if you're talking about one game, what about these eight other games that, that we have here? And, and again, I, I'm one of the biggest Ronaldo fans. I love him as a player. But for this current United team to move forward, I don't think he's a solution like you mentioned. Uh, but I thought, you know, other than Ronaldo, I thought Fred had a very, very, very good game. Uh, he's coming into his own. Pogba, again, had, to me, a bad game. And, and that is the issue. I think we have too many players who choose when to turn up almost. And, and, and just going back to Ronaldo for a bit, it, to me, it's just very, very obvious right now that, that the game against City was one where he decided not to be a part of, to, to travel to Portugal because there is no way that he could have been injured or not 100% fit and then to turn up and, and put in a performance like he did against Spurs. So, so again, in that way, it's a question of do our players really, are, are they the kind, they, they choose when to turn up almost and this time, Ronaldo was the one who's uh, guilty of it. But, but maybe, Russia, this is not even a problem because that's what we want, right? We want a fully rested Ronaldo playing in key games while the other uh, frontmen take up games that are not seen as important or at least share the burden with him. But for us, I think because, the, yeah, I think the problem with the point you're making about having other frontmen is we don't have any other yeah, frontmen yeah. as it stands. We have... Our other option is a 37-year-old Edison Cavani who, if anything, looks more disinterested than Ronaldo can, which is so unfortunate because when he plays right, he plays with his heart on his sleeve and the United fans take to him like, like duck to water, right? We absolutely love him. But at the present moment, when you are Cristiano Ronaldo, already that comes with pressure, let alone when you're the only available out-and-out striker. I, I hate to go back to this, but... Mason Greenwood robbed himself of a good career by doing what he, he did. And it also then puts United themselves in a difficult position because then there's no options up front. So the false nine does not necessarily work. I mean, I hate to say this, but United 
Ronaldo perhaps thrived without Bruno there because he saw a lot more of the ball. Yes, again, Pogba was a passenger. But overall, I take your point completely. If if Ronaldo manages his games and the games that he chooses to play, if this is the Ronaldo that shows up, it's all well and good as long as we have an able deputy to replace him in the games that he wants to rotate himself out. Yeah, perfect point to end the talk uh, about Ronaldo with. Uh, moving on to another result is, of course, Everton nil, uh, Wolves 2. Um, and, and to me, in this game, again, Everton were poor. I mean, I mean, that's the only way to describe them. They Right now, because of wins from Watford and Leeds United, they currently sit in 17th place uh, on the same points as Watford, but they have three more games to play uh, because they're, they're on 26 games while Watford are on 29 games. Again, the Everton are still in the driver's seat to, to get out of the relegation battle. Let's not be wrong about that. But I've got to ask this maybe controversial question. Should Frank Lampard be sacked? Uh, no, lah. I, I think you cannot sack a manager. Like you say, the numbers add up for Everton. I mean, I'll touch on how dire they are on the pitch shortly, but the numbers add up for Everton. And I strongly believe they are not going to get relegated purely because I do think the teams below them are in a worse off state. And that's why I feel Everton will survive, not because they are good, but because the teams around them are worse off. But to sack Lampard, I, I do admit that Lampard hasn't had the desired impact that Evertonians or Everton fans sorry, or sorry, the board would like. Just to, just to interrupt you, I, I think I said the score wrongly. It was Everton 0, Wolves 1. Ah, okay. okay. Yeah. Doesn't make Lampard feel any better though. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> all the same, still no three points for Everton. But yeah, the, the point still lies that Yes, he had a good... I think he started off in the FA Cup. He had a fantastic result. And then it's all gone downhill from there. And this was my question about them going for Lampard, the option of Lampard. They probably did so because Aston Villa went for the Gerard option and it seemed like a new age, tempting option to, to give the reins over to a Premier League legend, shall we say. But is that what Everton needed? I'm not so sure. The club have big issues. The club have fitness issues to start with because I think they've been robbed of some of their bigger players. Uh, Dom Calvert-Lewin springs to mind for a big part of the season. And when you think about Everton, you don't think of them as a bottom five side. Maybe mid-table, Europa League, outside of Europa League at least. So I think I think, I think, think they won't sack Frank Lampard. I think they'll escape relegation. But next season, if he doesn't manage to turn things around with a full preseason under his belt, then very quickly, the board will turn against him, the fans will turn against him. Uh, to, to me, I'm looking at the fixture list and I don't even think Everton will be in the Premier League next season. Uh, you, you look at the upcoming fixtures, of course, they've got FA Cup uh, quarterfinal against Crystal Palace to come. That's, of course, not in the Premier League. But in the league, they've got West Ham, Manchester United, Crystal Palace, Liverpool, Chelsea, Leicester City, and then Brentford and Arsenal. I mean, only the Brentford fixture looks like one where, where they could be expected to, to, to get three points in. Brentford but, Palace, perhaps. You mean Everton, Everton Palace? Yeah, yeah. Ah, I, I don't, I don't see Everton getting anything from Crystal Palace the way Crystal Palace are playing. I mean, Fair. You, you look at this Crystal Palace team; they can go away. Uh, I mean, they can go to to against City and you know match them almost. Uh, a bit fortunate to get the uh, the draw, but against Everton, it's an easy game. And, and to me, there's an issue. I mean, I I really see that when Frank Lampard was appointed. Why Lampard? I mean, he has shown his caliber with Derby in the Championship, but. Managing the championship does not set you up for managing the Premier League. I think it's two different two different leagues because in the championship teams almost get away by by playing a certain style of football, and in the Premier League you can't get away with that. I think there were plethora options for for Everton, and at that time Vitor Pereira was being linked, and the fans protested against it. 
you know what? Uh, I'm sure that there might be at least one Everton fan listening in, but I hope Everton get relegated because of the protest that they did even before a manager came in. Uh, we saw Everton then move away from Peter Pereira and appoint Frank Lampard. I, since you guys wanted it, I hope you go down with him. Uh, and, and to me, I think the way Everton are playing, that seems to be uh, what is going to happen uh, in a few weeks' time. Of course, um, the return of them, Dominic Calvert-Lewin in proper form can't come soon enough, but he's been in and out of the team because of his injury. I don't see who can be the talisman for Everton. So you say Everton to get relegated. I assume that's with Watford and Norwich. So you expect Burnley to survive the drop, is it? I, I still think Burnley have got something something in them. I, I, in terms of defending, uh, they can keep the goals out. It's just whether they can score. And, and Weghorst started well, but seemed to have gone off the ball in recent games. Maxwell Cornet has come back from the African na- uh, nations and not really lead up the Premier League like he did before he went off. So uh, I think there's about eight or nine games left in the Premier League, Roshan, and I think time will tell uh, whether Burnley can get the act right. But between them and Everton, I'd rather see Everton go down. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I don't care for either of those clubs, but I suspect it'll be Burnley. It'll be sad. But it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I take your point. Everton fans who uh, vetoed Rita Pereira probably deserve it. The term Amit Kaul comes to mind, so <laughs> we shall see. All right, uh, let's move on to other results. Of course, uh, Brighton nil, Liverpool 2, and Crystal Palace nil, Manchester City nil. Wow, Raushan, I, I don't know how we have arrived here, but we have arrived here where, uh, of course, Liverpool have got a game in hand against Arsenal. Uh, but after that game, Liverpool and City will be on equal games played, and it could be just they could just be one point behind City. Uh, I, I'm sure I, I know you are predicting a, a Liverpool win against Arsenal, where I'm predicting the direct opposite. I think Arsenal are going to upset uh, Liverpool. But the the truth of the matter is that Liverpool are just behind City now, like on their shoulders almost. Where how did we get here, and where do we go from here? It's crazy. I remember hosting the two City fans and us asking if it's going to be a procession here on fourth, and they were fairly confident that they would be, as were us neutrals, right? It seemed like City had the title wrapped up, but I guess City have stumbled here and there. They had more than enough chances to beat Crystal Palace yesterday. Unfortunately, just didn't get the rub of the green, but that opens the door and opens the door in a big way for Liverpool, right? I think it's crazy when you think about it. I've seen tweets flying around that if Liverpool win all their remaining games, they are champions mathematically because that includes a tie against City as well. But what's crazy for me is that we are even entertaining thoughts about teams going on these winning runs. It's, it's It speaks volumes of the levels that Man City and Liverpool have raised the bar to. We're talking about at least 9-10 games and we are saying, or more, and we are saying these teams can go on a run, unbeaten run, a winning run to secure the title. I think that speaks of the Liverpool juggernaut as well as the City juggernaut. They've just spot for all season long for a few seasons now and raised the bar so well. Pains me to say it, but I think Liverpool are going to do it, you know. I, I do think they've they've silently backed their squad very well. They do have a very, very good squad now, good enough to compete two-prong, not just in the league, but in the Champions League as well. They have options in midfield, they have options in central defence, they have options in attack. They have five good attackers in attack for essentially three positions. And Look at those options. All five players, Luis Diaz, Mo Salah, Sadio Mane, Bobby Firmino, Diego Jota, all are, be, all are class players on their day. So I think Klopp has set himself up quite well. I do look at the Liverpool running though. After Arsenal, they, they play Watford, Man City, which is a six-pointer of a game if you like. Aston Villa, is Steven Gerrard really going to halt the Liverpool party? I'm not sure. 
Then they have Everton, which we know all about. Everton, Newcastle, Tottenham, Southampton, Wolves. And then there's the rescheduled game with Man United. There are a few tricky fixtures there where Liverpool, the problem is now Liverpool, the pressure is on them to win. Even a draw will not do. Unbeaten is not good enough. They need a winning run. Can they do it? I suspect they can. Uh, to me, I think it all boils down to the April 10th fixture against uh, both of them, right? Uh, City against Liverpool. And to me, I think whoever wins that one will win the Premier League. And because, uh, is it Liverpool at home or City at home? City at home, sorry. And because City, City at, at home, home I, I think City will, will, will win this one. And I think that, that bodes uh, well for them. Um, like you mentioned, in terms of the fixture list, I think Liverpool have a tougher fixture list. Uh, playing against Spurs, Manchester United, even Everton. I mean, because it's a, a Merseyside derby. Uh, and a resurgent Newcastle as well. Yeah, and also that, that, that fixture against Arsenal that hasn't been played at the time of recording. These are all tough fixtures. So essentially, they have like four tough fixtures. While for, and for City, maybe the toughest one that I can see them having is... Do you think Newcastle? Or, or maybe Villa? Probably Newcastle... Uh... Villa might be the toughest games, but again, those both those games are at home. Yeah, at, so, so uh, at the Etihad. Yeah, so, so to to me, I I think it's it's going to be City, uh, or maybe it's the is the Red Devil in me that's hoping that it might be. You City say that you say that, but I look at City's fixture list and they go up against a couple of relegation threatened sides fighting for their Premier League lives, and that itself can can throw a cat amongst the pigeons at times, right? I look at uh, end of April they're playing Watford and Leeds in a space of a week, and then there might be a Champions League fixture in there as well. So. So, I, I take your point. I take your point. City's fixtures on paper are easier. Uh, but I somehow think Liverpool just have a bit too much in them. Is the Steven Gerrard fan in you talking? Like? No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I, if I had to choose one team to win it, I would rather City to win it because I don't know any City fans personally. And I will never hear the end of it from Liverpool fans, of which there are plenty. So, honestly, I, I'm rooting for City, if that makes sense. But uh, I suspect Liverpool are going to do it. All right, uh, the other results from the Premier League, of course, Brentford 2, Burnley 0. Uh, Chelsea 1, Newcastle 0 with a brilliant goal from Kai Havertz. Uh, Leeds United with an important 2-1 victory over Norwich City. Southampton continuing their disastrous form by going down 1-2 to Watford. West Ham winning Aston Villa 2-1. Uh, let's now move on to the FPL radar where we'll talk about who impressed us. Right, this is the FPL radar where we talk about two players who impressed in game week 29. Uh, Roshan, let's go with you first. Yep, definitely. I, I'm glad we're picking just one player, especially with such a short game week coming up. But for me, Rafinha looks looks good. I know he's not uh, returning in the way of FPL points as you want an asset to do, but I think the penny will drop eventually. He, he looks bright for, for leads. To be fair, he set up a couple of chances that should have been finished by his by his teammates, unfortunately, it didn't come through. But I do think Leeds United, after getting that last gasp win against uh, at the weekend, I think it's going to uh, bode well for them against Norwich even at the weekend. I think it's going to bode well for them going into the remainder of the season. The Jesse Marsh effect might take full flow. They have Wolves in the league and then they have Southampton, Watford, Chelsea, Palace coming up as fixtures in the next five games. I look at those and I do think Leeds can... Do put a cobble a run together to at least steer clear of relegation. So I'm rooting for Rafinha. What about you? Yeah, I'm going with uh, someone who's got 29 points over the last two weeks, and that's uh, Brentford's forward Ivan Tony. 
I, I think when you look at Tony, he's one player coming into the season uh, for game week one that I had. So I was expecting a big, big season from him. Uh, hasn't quite worked out that way, but I think he's coming into a form of his own uh, in recent games. But why I've got him on the radar is because of uh, he's one of the few players who's playing in game week 30. Uh, and it's against the Leicester side who love leaking goals at the moment. Uh, and if you look at Leicester's goals considered from set pieces, I think the highest in the in the division at the moment. Uh, and Ivan Tony can be a problem in, in the in the box when it comes to set pieces. Uh, so I'll be banking on him, and I think he's got the the form to work with in terms of getting the goals. Um, and at the price that he is at, which is six point six million, bargain um, bargain at the moment. And with uh, the supply coming in from a rejuvenated Christian Eriksen as well, it, yeah, it bodes what, well, right? Yeah, what what a cross from Eriksen for Tony's goal uh, over the the weekend. So so yeah, Tony is my my player for the FPL radar. Fantastic. Uh, let's now go on to who's next. Right, this is who's next where we look ahead to matches in the Premier League while also picking out some FPL assets to consider. For the forthcoming campaign, LifeNow will offer single match passes for the Premier League and provide a flexible option for football fans in Singapore with the ability to purchase pay-per-view passes for one fixture per match week. And the season is reaching its business end, so we're going to run out of these free gifts soon. So quickly go down to at TFinalWhistle on Instagram or Facebook to see how you can win three free Premier League match passes each week for yourself. And this week's Live Now featured match of the week is a London derby as Tottenham Hotspur take on West Ham United. Yeah, uh, Tottenham who are coming on, uh, coming off the back of uh, 3-2 defeat to Manchester United. But I don't necessarily think they were awful in the game. I thought they were decent enough. It's just that I thought Son and uh, Harry Kane uh, were quite quiet. And I think that was also down to how Maguire and Varane played and controlled that backline as well. Uh, but they're playing against a West Ham side who themselves look reju- rejuvenated in recent times. Uh, just a reminder that at the time of recording, Brighton and Spurs have not played their midweek fixture. So we, we are not sure how that one went. Uh, but yeah, this is, I think, an interesting fixture. But if you look at Spurs' current record, uh, whenever they lost a the game, they, they bounce back with a win. So uh, <laughs> they, they, let's assume that they bounce back against Brighton with a win. So... Uh, as the pattern goes, they, they drop this game then against West Ham United. Will be surprised if uh, Hammers take all three points in this picture? I, I would be highly surprised if uh, West Ham take all three points, purely because West Ham have a second leg Europa League tie on Friday, 18 March, Singapore time. So they have a midweek game, later part of the midweek game. And I know they only play on Sunday, but they will. They are trailing that uh, Europa League tie 1-0 to Sevilla. So they're going to go all out to try and reverse the tie, I'm sure, to stay in Europe. So that might take a lot out of their tank going into that London derby against Tottenham. I take your point that Tottenham are a bit of a Jekyll and Hyde. So if they win against Brighton, then chances are they're going to lose against West Ham. But I think on paper, at least, West uh, Tottenham have a bit too much for West Ham, especially if they can get Kane, Son firing. Kulusevski looks a very good player, a very uh, industrious player, a very busy player, shall I say. So I think... I suspect Tottenham are going to nick this one 2-1. All right. Uh, who do you see being a, a key FPL figure in this one? I mean, it's hard to look past Harry Kane, who's essentially going to be my only striker this week unless I bring in Ivan Tony, purely because of so little fixtures happening. But uh, I do suspect Harry Kane will return on the goals run against the uh, West Ham team. having He scored from the spot against United, but had a fi- fairly quiet game. And I think it's not every day you're going to keep Son and Kane quiet for too long, right? So for me, Son and Kane have to stand out as the obvious FPL options. Uh, to me, I'm going for a 
easy Tottenham victory as well. I mean, simply because I think West Ham play uh, in a crucial Europa League game uh, I think two or three days before they face Tottenham. Uh, and because that first leg finished in a draw, West Ham will be going all out in this one um, to, to get something out of this game. And if you look at... Oh, sorry. Seville actually won. So all the more West Ham have to get... Yeah, exactly. They need uh, everything the, to turn it around, right? Yeah. So I, I see them going all out in this picture against Sevilla. And that means that there might be rotation uh, and, and tired leaks against Spurs. And, and, and speaking of rotation, I think West Ham can't rotate the front line. I mean, it's always been Antonio. So, you know, Antonio against uh, Spurs defense has looked decently better. I mean, Romero and Dyer uh, and Davis have been the back. And I thought they have been better than, than previous times. I see Tottenham winning maybe about 2-0 uh, in this one. And, and I agree with you. I think Harry Kane uh, is the man to look up for. And remember that you guys can watch this game on live now. Uh, just head on to our Instagram page and do the necessary. Uh, other games in this uh, fiction list, not many. <laughs> it's just Wolves against Leeds, Aston Villa against Arsenal, and Leicester against uh, Brentford. Three interesting games, but I want to go on straight into the captain segment, Roshan. Uh, you, you were saying before we started the show that uh, you don't have many players to, to begin with in this game week. Uh, and I think plenty of other managers might be facing the same as well. Uh, just a bit of FPL talk here along the captain segment is the fact that I, I, I've prepared for, for this game week in, in some ways uh, where I've brought in players in the last few weeks that had a game week 30 picture. Foresight lah! Yeah, they call me Mr. Foresight lah. <laughs> uh, but I, I still have one or two players that... that um, I will have to move on. Uh, so I, I do see myself taking a minus four, maybe a minus eight. Uh, you think that's fair for, for this year? Do you think most will be going for that? I, I think you have to, considering how uh, truncated the fixture list is. Essentially, there's only four games to look out for with so many games happening in the FA Cup for United fans though. <laughs> like me, there's no United game to look forward to. But anyway, uh, I do think it makes sense to uh, take a hit if necessary because it's... You're, as I mentioned, you're running out of games, so you need as many points as you can get. Just pray that when you take that minus, it balances out with your choice, getting you some points to negate that loss of points. So you're going to have to either be smart like Deepen and have done your groundwork a couple of weeks ago or bite the bullet and take a minus four, minus eight this week, especially if you have none of those free hits or wild cards left, which I suspect a lot of people don't. Uh, for me, Captain Speak, I... It's hard to look past Harry Kane for me purely because there's that right fixture at home against West Ham. But if a left field option, I don't know, man. I like the look of Coutinho in recent weeks. I know he's coming up against a very good Arsenal side who now have the bit between their teams to finish in top four. But if you want something left field, I'm looking at uh, Coutinho's record against uh, Arsenal as well. And he scored a couple of goals, four goals, in fact, in his time for Liverpool against Arsenal. So Arsenal might be... Brand new Arsenal, but they could be the same old Arsenal when Coutinho goes up against them. So perhaps Aston Villa in good nick, in good form, could spring a surprise against uh, Arsenal. Yeah, but I, I agree about the hurricane shot. I, I think to me, I'm going with him because uh, I expect Spurs to win West Ham, uh, West Ham tie leagues and so on. So uh, for those who have Son Heung-min or those who have hurricane, I think these are the two options. Uh, to go for. And, and you talk about Coutinho, I actually think Arsenal assets might be good to consider for this one because Arsenal will have not always kept a clean sheet. I think they are not the greatest at the back. Uh, but, but you know, in, in terms of football games, I think Arsenal will Arsenal are the standout fixture for the game. I think it's a fantastic game to look forward to. Uh, which brings me to the end of the episode, Raushan. Once again, fantastic uh, discussion on all things football. Uh, I can only hope that Manchester United continue their winning ways to end the season off. Uh, thank you, Roshan. 
Thank you so much, Deepan. Look, looking forward to United in Europe and then we see where we go from there. Have a good one.